Hey, it's Mark Wallstrom, and you are listening to the Speaking of Justice podcast. Uh, glad to have you on as a uh, listener, and this is the first episode of our third season of Speaking of Justice, and I think you're really going to like it. Uh, we took about a year off and have really worked on uh, bringing in, I think, uh, really strong sponsorship, uh, really strong promotion for our guests, and uh, you know, just really kind of a, uh, I wouldn't call it a reboot, but I'd just say a recalibration and renewed sense of purpose. Uh, we are in very interesting times. You know, I mean, uh, just yesterday, on the day that I'm recording this, you know, we're talking about impeachment inquiries and we're talking about administrative law and constitutional law and all kinds of things are going on in our country and in our courts. And the purpose of Speaking of Justice is to give people an opportunity to hear from a wide range of attorneys, but not just attorneys. Uh, we're talking about academics, uh, public interest groups, politicians, uh, lobbyists, uh, authors, uh, ordinary citizens. You know, it is going to be a very participatory and expansive show. I mean, we're not here to promote any one particular view uh, politically. Uh, I will say we are extremely biased in our uh, belief and my own personal belief that access to the courts for everybody is essential. Uh, you know, the right to a jury trial in the United States uh, for every citizen to be fairly tried with quality representation uh, in a jury setting uh, when their life or their liberty or their property uh, is at stake. You know, I'm, I, you know, it's something that we just don't compromise on. And, you know, I think uh, there are people in a very bipartisan way that can agree that that is the single most fundamental and sacred right we have as citizens, that, you know, at the end of the day, the one thing that stands between us and the loss of all we hold dear is 12 citizens uh, in a jury box and our ability to have a quality advocate uh, you know, advocating for our rights. So that's that, that's the one prejudice that we have. And when we talk about speaking of justice, you know, justice takes many, many forms. And uh, people define it differently, I guess would be a better way to put it. But at the end of the day, you know, justice means uh, fairness. And I think one of the reasons that we have such difficulty right now as a country and some of the things we're dealing with is people have an, an innate sense that things are not fair. Things are not equitable, uh, that there are people who are protected because of wealth, uh, political privilege, uh, power. They're insulated from the consequences of their actions, um, that you know they don't have the same right to counsel and representation that other people do because they can't buy it. And it's something we've talked about over the years. Uh, and I've got more years um, you know, in and around the justice system than I care to admit at this point. But it does give you a perspective because uh, things have changed. And, uh, you know, in some ways for the better, some ways for the worse. I mean, there's some very interesting things going on. You know, we are looking at the first substantial discussion and changes in prison sentencing and the criminal justice system that we've seen in 20, 25 years. Uh, there's a great awareness and I think an awakening of people that our prison system and our justice system simply does not work in many cases. So while people feel that way, you know, those of us who live and work in and around it, 
in my case, I've always said, you know, I, I've had the good fortune of working with some of the greatest lawyers in the world and uh, people who care about their clients and people who are fierce advocates. And truly, that is most attorneys. Uh, but, you know, the, the system does get corrupted. Politics does intrude. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of different things. So we're going to we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things, I think, that are going to matter to people. They're going to interest people. And the, the main thing I want you to do is engage with us. Uh, you know, I'm going to primarily use the Facebook page as our communication platform. Just go. Everyone's got Facebook. Just go to speaking of justice podcast dot com uh, to get the page. You can link into Facebook off of there. You can just type in speaking of justice, you know, on the search bar on Facebook. You'll find us. Like us, communicate with me, let me know what you think. Uh, we'll have all of our new shows and show ideas and guest bios and profiles. So uh, let's jump into our first guest. And uh, excited about this first guest uh, because it's uh, an area and uh, something that most people, uh, unfortunately, many people, the majority of people experience in their family, in their life, and that's divorce. And I've got uh, coming in to join us uh, a really great attorney has just written uh, a, a powerful book and is a real expert. Uh, his name is uh, Matt uh, Barrick, and he's the head of the Barrick Law Group uh, there in Framingham, Massachusetts. And uh, he's just recently authored a book, The Family Law Guide uh, to Appellate Practice. Now, you know, uh, if there's one area of the law where people want to do over, uh, I think we've all you know, can agree uh, in many cases, family law and divorce is one of the most uh, painful uh, areas of law. Uh, you know, we're talking about the ending of marriages. We're talking about custody of children. We're talking about competency. There's all kinds of things. In many cases, people go into it uh, with the best of intentions or with a, a lawyer who maybe is slightly outgunned, and they feel that the system has not been just, the system has not been fair. And, uh, you know, uh, Attorney Barrick has authored uh, really what looks like the seminal uh, guide on appellate practice and family law. So really excited to have him in. Uh, you know, it's an area, you know, we've made the name of the, the show is Speaking of Justice. And many people in family law courts and practice feel that they do not get justice, you know, on both sides of the table. So this is uh, this going to be an interesting uh, conversation. I'm looking forward to it. He has a very interesting bio. I'll get in with him on his own. You know, he has his own podcast. It's called "It's a Mistake" podcast. You can find it on the bod uh, the Boston Podcast uh, Network, or you can just go to iTunes and type that in. And he has kind of a an irreverent, uh, fun approach on his podcast that I think you'll enjoy. But today we're going to be talking, um, you know, appellate uh, law in the family area, a family law area, and uh, appellate practice. So uh, just give me a minute. Uh, we're going to uh, just uh, have a, a brief uh, little uh, break here with some music, and uh, we'll be right back. And on the other side of this uh, music, Attorney Matthew Barrick. Thanks. Well, joining me now on the phone is our guest, uh, Attorney Matthew Barrick, and it's the uh, Barrick uh, Family Law in Framingham. And uh, I've already given you a little bit of a CV. Uh, Matt, how you doing? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, uh, as I told the audience, uh, you are the first guest of our third season. So uh, family law is not oh, wow. is not getting short shrift. You know, next uh, right. uh, next week. Lead off. That's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> Absolutely, batting the lead off. Well, we, we've got uh, we've got a kind of a fascinating guest uh, coming up next week. That's uh, but you. You're, you're ahead of Judge Frederick Block, so, you know, we... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, we, we got a strong guy in the hole waiting for you as well. So, uh, okay. uh, yeah, we're, I'll try we're, to set the table appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, as I, as I told, uh, told our listeners, uh, you know, family law, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a broad area. It's an area where a lot of people, it's their only experience uh, with the law. You know, they're dealing with a divorce, a custody issue. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going through this. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and really, you know, what, what was the, what was the decision uh, to choose and get into family law where, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough area emotionally to practice in. And uh, you know, what, uh, what made you choose it? Well, you know, I, I always tell people that family law uh, finds you as a practice area. You, you, you don't find it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, there aren't that many people that go to law school and say, hey, well, I'm going to spend the bulk of my career uh, wrestling with people over the chandelier and dividing up spoons and knives and uh, dealing in domestic relations. I think probably it's last on everyone's lips when I think when they go to law school. And I think what happens is, you know, over time, you know, I started doing different things. You know, at one point, we did some criminal law, I did some, some real estate and, uh, and then one day someone came in with a family law problem after practicing for a period of time. And he, it just was one of those cases where I felt that I really had an impact on people's lives. And I felt that the background I had doing other things uh, just sort of led me to say, well, this is, this is something unique and different and interesting. And uh, the, my skill set at that point in my life, uh, I think I was ready to take on um, people's people's problems. I mean, family law really touches upon people's most uh, intimate and personal, private treasures. And it's it's a it's a tough area to practice, and it's an area that is yeah. is somewhat unique in, in the law because it's just so factually based. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to sort of have the mentality to be able to navigate uh, people's most intimate concerns. And also be able to apply the, the facts appropriately uh, to the law to kind of help people generally move on with their lives or find solutions that they, they might not have otherwise had thought of. And I think that's a different area than in some other, if you're doing a contract or right. criminal matter or personal injury case. It's, it's just a very unique uh, set of facts and circumstances. Well, and, 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 and toward that point, um, you know, you, you then further specialized. And, and one of the things we're, we're here to kind of talk about today is uh, you've written uh, what I, I would arguably say is, is one of the, the, the major books in the area of family law, and, and it's the Guide to Appellate Practice. And, you know, as we were talking a little bit in the pre-interview, uh, you know, in, in the area of family law, it's rare you hear somebody think that they got a great deal. Uh, they always feel to some degree, you know, hey, I got screwed. <laughs> or, yeah, there's, no, there's, no, there's no question. I mean, it's, it's, it's a not a, a zero-sum game. 
you know, and I think most most judges will tell you if everybody's unhappy, then they did a good job. Yeah, and and when when you have that, and again, as you were saying, the rawness of the emotion, uh, you know, touches people in an incredibly personal way. Uh, it, they tend to drag on, and when people say, "Well, you know, I I, I needed to get a new lawyer. I need to, uh, you know, change, you know, the uh, deal," or I represented myself pro se, and you know, now I need to get a lawyer. Uh, I would imagine this is an area where there's a tremendous amount of counseling. And, and why, why the specialization in appellate practice? Tell us a little bit about the book. I know it's geared toward lawyers, uh, which comprise, obviously, a big part of our audience. Uh, and, and you've had some, you know, some fairly groundbreaking cases there in Massachusetts as well you know, in this area. But you know, tell, me, tell us about the appellate practice, how you got into it, and why you decided to write this particular book. Well, sim- similar to leading off, today, uh, going first, it, when I started doing appeal uh, in, in the early days of the earlier days of doing family law, I, I said, all right, I'll, I'll try this. And over time, I, I was always looking for material to sort of guide uh, my approach to, to writing briefs and things like that. And I, and I kept coming up with lots of differing materials, but there was no material on family law, on, on divorce or, or custody, appellate practice geared to those sort of specific topics. And I just kind of scratched my head. And I was like, you know, family law appeals are just different. They create different dilemmas that don't really exist in the other areas of the practice of law. And I felt that most, a lot of practitioners of domestic relations or family law are kind of shy away from from doing appeals, but yet there's some of the most uh, intimate types of issues that people can face in their lives, you know, dealing with a family home or even more, more importantly, the, the custody of a child. I mean, they're just so, as you say, raw emotion-based uh, that it would seem that and they're so factually based that in some ways the, a family law practitioner who, you know, does a trial and takes a case has the most the greatest grasp of the facts. Yeah. And it would seem that in some ways they might be somebody that might be the best person to make a case uh, on an appeal uh, rather than give it over to a specialist. So there's really, there's a void of the materials that were out there. And so I said, you know what, why not? Let's, uh, why not do it? And after doing a handful of appeals or so, I, I, writing more and more, I, I said, you know, let's try this and let's produce a guide. Uh, that I think is effective for uh, practitioners, but also, you know, I get calls sometimes from people that are pro se, uh, call the other day, mm-hmm. but pro se, where they can actually bought the book. And, you know, I did try to write it sort of a how to guide, uh, mostly geared to practitioners, but also for some people that uh, may not be able to, to do it on their own, and at least for them to have some material and a book that they could grasp to be able to use it uh, to file, you know, their own individual appeals of the matter. Well, and, and that raises a, an interesting point. We talk about pro se and we talk about, you know, people who are, you know, whether it's attorneys that are working on it or, or individuals. Uh, and you have a very interesting, you know, uh, comment in the, in the comment sections that the family lawyer should consider the potential result and costs on both the individual lives and the precedent a matter could set on future litigants, uh, including your own. And you know, you're saying there's an equal chance of creating bad law as good law when you appeal. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the the cost. I mean, one of the things I'm, I'm kind of, you know, the whole theme of the Speaking of Justice podcast is looking at 
how we expand access to the courts uh, to people and how do we give people uh, who maybe are of more modest means or limited means or in a difficult situation access to the courts. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the, the cost of an appeal, I mean, as we were talking before, it can be very emotional and people can make an emotional decision. I would imagine you do a lot of counseling with people on, hey, this is going to cost you X amount of time money, treasure, anguish, you know, to get you here. And you may not even like the result when you get there. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it, it's a, yeah, it's absolutely fair, fair, fair point. The, the, one of the issues that you know, I think we struggle with in the appellate practice, particularly in family law, is that it does tend to be for the rich. You know, people that have money, they have an ability to, to pay uh, a good practitioner to file an appeal, uh, tend to be more likely to, to go forward, whereas folks that, you know, a lot of times at the end of the marriage, at the end of a long, drawn-out battle between um, a husband and wife or a father and mother, there's just too much, there's nothing left at that point financially and emotionally uh, to go forward. So oftentimes, uh, I think laws tend to favor um, folks that have better uh, economic means to to press on a lot of times, particularly in family law, it's just as we talked about before. It's yeah. so personal, it's so intimate, it's so close to the bone, it's so raw that you know folks at the end of that fight have nothing left, both you know financially or emotionally, to be able to pursue it. Whereas folks with greater resources tend to do it. So sometimes I, I, I often scratch my head and think, well, you know, these laws are, are for the well-to-do in some way. The laws that come out of family law sometimes really are for the more well-to-do, and I think often. Uh, there is a some barriers, um, you know, that exist. And I'd love to say there's not certain practice programs in each state sure. to uh, help, but I think that people always raise a, an eyebrow to to a family law case, and I think that makes it difficult. I mean, one of the things with my book uh, is that if it had anything, I think it's probably to appeal very guardedly, or maybe not to appeal. Yes, that that it, you know, it, even with it's such a long drawn out process before you even get to it that you really have to have, uh, and, or, well, you know, I, I start my book by talking about an appeal being defined as an urgent plea. I think I started it that way because I wanted mm -hmm. people to understand that when we appeal, when we think of the word appeal, something has gone on. We need, we need a, a stronger voice. We need to appeal to a higher power to right or wrong. And some perceived wrongs for you personally may not be a wrong that uh, an objective party is going to look at. Yes. But I think that you have to be, particularly as practitioners, you have to be very cautious, particularly with people's emotions again, and the costs that are entailed to appellate, appellate practice. You really have to be discerning in, in what you choose to, to bring forward uh, for, for all those reasons, because there's also the other problem, too, with appellate practice is there's a strong likelihood that you're not going to succeed. I think that in most states, it's probably less than 10 or 15 percent. Yeah. So, I, you know, I advise people, you know, don't jump in. Uh, you have to be real careful as to what the reasons are for the appeal and to find find those right reasons. And then, you know, back to the point that you started with about practitioners is, you know, from my own, from my own practice, uh, you know, there's always that chance that when you appeal a matter, you may create a law that wasn't your intention because you never know yeah. where the appellate court's going to go. I mean, I had once a, you know, a quick war story, an alimony case where 
the parties were, uh, this is before we had an alimony statute in Massachusetts, the parties were only married uh, six weeks and a few days. And, you know, my our theory was, I represent the husband and the, the, the alimony pair in that case, was that, you know, in that type of situation, the alimony, the parties had not really developed a standard of living over those six weeks yeah. to initiate a, a claim for alimony. And, you know, the court looked at it differently than we did, and they interpreted, well, you know, uh, there are other reasons. The length of the marriage isn't the only defining uh, symbol as to what you can hold up, and, you know, they, they rule against it. There could be alimony in that short term of the marriage. Most, most probably the shortest uh, length of a marriage would have ever had alimony. And I think, you know, looking back at it now, the, the alimony statute in Massachusetts in some years, but... You know, looking back, I, I can see their I can see their point, and so it's sort of a cautionary tale that right? you may go out looking to create law, and you end up with, uh, yeah. you know, you might order a ham sandwich and with a turkey sandwich. Yeah, and and I think you know, I mean, it's 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 really good advice as well. I mean, what you're talking about is when you have um, practitioners who maybe have not done an appeal or had an appellate case, and you know, helping lawyers to not inadvertently put their client in jeopardy, you know, whether it's financial jeopardy. Uh, you know, I always tell people, I said, the only people who want to bring a lawsuit are people who have never been in a lawsuit. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's exhausting uh, physically, mentally. It distracts you from getting on with your life. You know, you end up in these, you know, these long drawn out, you know, year long, decade long battles. And, you know, I think having something, as you said, you know, uh, the idea of an urgent plea, and I'll just give a plug to the book here. If you put an urgent plea.com in, it's going to take you to uh, Matt's book. So we'll have, <laughs> we'll have a link and everything at the end of the, the show. But this idea is the appeal should not be frivolous. Uh, it's because, you know, there's a serious matter of law that needs to be addressed or an inequity uh, that needs to be, you know, urgently looked at. And it's not just because, um, you know, let's just say, frankly, I mean, a lawyer doesn't want to run a bill. Uh, well, we'll run a bill and run an appeal. I mean, you know, uh, what we're trying to, to see is, you know, if if a wrong has been, uh, you know, committed, they, there's a way to try and make it right. And the courts does allow for it, but it should be a very reasoned process. Uh, you know, one of the, yeah, one, I, you know, absolutely. Yeah, one of the questions no, no, I have no, for I, you, too. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. No, no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think you're trying to right a wrong, and, and it's and it's a wrong that I think in some way um, resonates above the individual matter, and particularly in family law. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it has, it, and, what, and what question yeah. I have for you here as well, you know, kind of a, you know along these lines, you, you brought up, you know, uh, Massachusetts had particular laws, and I'm originally from there, although Arizona now. Uh, your book, it, it applies across the spectrum, doesn't it? I mean, it's not state-specific. I mean, what you talk about in this appellate practice uh, book and, and guide is general principles, even though each state may have its own, you know, nuances and laws. Uh, you know, the book is really a 50-state, you know, type uh, publication, correct? Yes, absolutely. It, it, it's written uh, for a national audience and for... Uh, to be applied in, in, in any state. Uh, there's a guide at the end that, that goes through the individual states and in, in which, you know, the, the appellate procedures need to follow. So it's, it's a national book in scope, and I think any 
can be used in any jurisdiction. And, you know, sometimes I get calls from folks outside of uh, my own jurisdiction uh, looking looking to, to do it. Because the issues with family law, I think one of the other things that make family law so unique is it's so universal. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just the, the same. Some of the laws are different here and there, certainly. Uh, but, you know, a child is a child, a parent is a parent. So it's a universally uh, facts and circumstances that repeat themselves nationwide. So the book is, is to that family law practitioner or to someone who is uh, looking to get some help because the money, you know, is yeah. run out of there. And a lawyer to be able to give them some understanding of, of what is needed to do an appeal and what the issues are and how sort of how to note and guide as to how to make do appeal properly and get through the rigor model. What, uh, if, you know, if you had to kind of look at the general spectrum, and I, I know you speak to bar groups and lecture and, and you know, in addition to the, the book and publication, you talk to a lot of people. What, what's the most common mistake that you see in this area uh, that practitioners make that could be easily avoided? Uh, you know, I mean, there's well, always mistakes people make, but what's, what's kind of the, the, the number one or two things that you would uh, tell people to be they, watching out for? They, they blow, believe it or not, what seems to be the easiest is often the hardest in, in practice is they blow the notice of appeal. And I've seen uh, lawyers do this, and I've seen lawyers that are trying to represent themselves do this. The, the, what, one of the things that's interesting is that family law tends to be a little bit, uh, quote-unquote, informal in practice. Uh, and I think that, that's universal going back to, to each state talking to I'm at a conference now. I'm talking to my uh, folks here. That I think that we, you know, the rules in the family law court tend not to be as maybe uh, strictly enforced, so to speak, or as draconian as other areas of, of the law. But that stops at the footsteps of the uh, appeals court. They appeals are have procedure, they have practice, and they have to be followed. And if they're not followed, and they're not adhered to, they will throw out your appeal. Uh, appeals are all about the law. And I think that for some practitioners is difficult to understand because facts are so exceptionally important in general family law cases. The facts, you know, speak, speak because that's the old joke is that in family law, the uh, client, uh, the, the, law, the lawyers uh, argue about the facts. Um, and the clients are, are with what become almost, in other words, in the lawyers uh, end up basically testifying in family yeah. law matters in front of judges because they're the ones that are recitating the facts. Right. Uh, and then the clients, the clients argue in the hallway. Yeah. But what, 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 what happens, you know, that stops in terms of when you get to the appellate court. And they, those rules are really followed in here, too. One of the things that happens a lot of times is that notice of appeal which are governed by appellate practice rules, is simple generally. A notice is just, you know, I, I appeal this judgment. But it's the timing of the filing that is just critical. You only have, and this is pretty pretty true of most states, usually 30 days. Uh, check your local rules, as I said, right, the book many times. But generally it's 30 days, and it's 30 days from the date the uh, appeal is docketed. And a lot of times what happens in the family law case is you don't get a decision that day. You get a decision, you know, six months, six yeah. months down the line yeah. and you know there's a date on it from two weeks ago that's not the operative date you always have to check the date that the actual court put it on its docket mm -hmm. and all pellet rules generally 
coming from the federal rules of procedure, they give you 30 days to file your notice. And so many times people do is they, they file it either prematurely or they don't realize the 30 days and they, they blow the deadline. And you only have, uh, in most states, it's only an additional 30 days where you have to get permission or then you have to get permission from the appeals court. So that those dates are very important. And one of the, the traps for, for the practitioner is that if you file a motion for a new trial or motion to alter or amend the judgment under Rule 59 or 60, that tolls the 30 days. So in other words, if you yeah. uh, file, you get a judgment that's docked December 1st, and on December 8th, you file a timely uh, motion for a new trial. That freezes the time. So what happens a lot of times, I've seen, I've seen I've had a couple of appeals where I've been able to get appeals dismissed in my own practice for people, is that what happens is that people will file their notice, say, December 7th. December 8th, the other side files a motion for a new trial. A few months go by, the judge rules, denies it. That first notice is inoperative. Yeah. So you, you have to file that new notice after the denial of the, the last motion in, in time. A lot of people don't know that, and people get tripped up on that. And the appeals court is unforgiving uh, along those lines. So I say notice of appeals uh, are, are something that you would think are relatively easy and functional, but actually in some ways uh, seem to cause a, a lot of problems. Particularly people don't practice regularly yeah. in politics. Uh, and and let's you know as we kind of kind of wind this down. What's what's the most rewarding part of this uh, this practice for you? I mean, you've been at it for twenty years. You've got a tremendous reputation. Uh, you've you know now written a book. You know that I think you know if you said it'll be universal and hopefully is going to help a lot of family lawyers and individuals. You know, know and understand this before they plunge in. And uh, you know, again, your firm's a great resource. But what, what's the most rewarding part of the practice for you? I, I think it that you make a difference in people's lives. Uh, I think on the appellate front, um, you know, you're writing a perceived wrong for your client. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's an uphill fight. It's an imperfect system. You know, we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. Human beings make mistakes and issue judgments. Uh, and there's something about that ability to go to bat for somebody and, uh, you know, turn it around. Yeah. Um, and, and seeking justice for folks uh, and having, helping the client and, and the court and having that impact on the law to, to change it and to have it evolve. Um, you know, it's not easy. I tell people, you know, you're likely to lose more of the battles than you win. Yeah. Um, but there's some beauty in a powerful logical argument, uh, even though it might not be a winning one. And, you know, families are never easy. A practice family law is also not easy, but uh, there is something in the battle uh, for going to bat for people and trying to make your point uh, and trying to, you know, do that do-over that you talked about before yeah. and, you know, finding justice in the end. Well, I'll tell you, I think it's a, a great way to wrap it up. I appreciate you spending the time you did with us today, and I want to encourage uh, people uh, you know, as I said before, uh, you know, the, the, the book is uh, the Family Law Guide to Appellate Practice. Uh, you know, the author and our guest has been uh, Matthew uh, Barrick. Uh, the firm is uh, Barrick Law Group, and that's spelled B-A-R-A-C-H. Uh, I'll have all of this on our Speaking Justice podcast page. Uh, on the guest page, we'll have links to it. 
And you can get the book. Uh, that uh, uh, you know, uh, web is a an urgent plea dot com. Uh, it's a it's a great book. Uh, I absolutely encourage people to uh, go check it out. And uh, you know, uh, Matt, I got to tell you, a hell of a leadoff batter. You know, I think we got a good one. Uh, the, I think we got a good well, one. I it's, hope I hit a, <laughs> I hope I hit at least a double. Yeah. So let me just plug. We, we I, I do also we do a, we do a podcast ourselves. Yes. My, my partner. It's called, it's called if I can plug it for a second. It's called it's a mistake. Uh, so <laughs> we, we we talk about a lot of battle stories. It's, it's uh, family law and divorce space, and uh, it's a mistake easy to find on uh, iTunes and uh, Spotify and those things. Well, great. Well, I'll tell you, you and know. I appreciate you having me on. This is this is a lot of fun. And uh, if you're out there and you need help with an appeal and you can buy the book, I'm, my phone's always uh, I answer my calls. So please feel free to, to give me a shot. I'd be more than happy to, to help you answer a question. Great. And, and as we go along to it, and, and kind of the way we do speaking of justice, Matt, is that, you know, if we have cases or stuff comes in the news or there's something that's interesting and newsworthy, you know, we have we have our people who uh, we consider, you know, uh, uh, we, we have a deep bench and I, I hope that you're on it and we can give you a call back if our case comes up or something that I think is in the news that we want to talk about, uh, get you back on the phone and uh, get you back in here again. Absolutely. Any, anytime. Anytime you want to talk about the Angelina Jolie Brad Pitt divorce, let me know. There we go. <laughs> I'm sure our audience will love that, and we'll we'll wait for we'll wait for a good ruling. We'll bring you back in so you can really sink your teeth into it. So uh, that'd Absolutely. be awesome. All right. Well, well, hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, it was a pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure too. Okay, well, uh, that was a heck of an interview. I uh, really enjoyed uh, having uh, Matt on. Uh, I think, you know, for our first uh, first one out of the gate, uh, really not bad. You know, he's uh, obviously extremely competent. I, I do want you to uh, go check out his website. Go check out the uh, book. Uh, I'll have all of that on the podcast page, whether it's Facebook or the main podcast page. You'll be able to uh, find out more about him. And also, as he said, he does have his own podcast. It's called It's a Mistake. Uh, I listened to a couple episodes. I think you'll enjoy it. It's very irreverent, uh, informal, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, he's uh, you know, a great guest. And let me just kind of wrap up a little bit. I think, you know, one of the things that we touched on and is interesting, and we're going to continue to talk about this, is, you know, I think he was candid that, you know, appeals and appellate practice in family law, you know, there's a perception and a reality that is for people they can afford to pay for it. And a lot of times, you know, people, I think one of the, the, the real services of this book and of, you know, what he's putting together is to help attorneys to not put people further in the hole financially, to give them false hope, uh, but to give them the opportunity to make a legitimate reasoned argument. If something is wronged and there's always a way, there's always the resources to, to fix it. You know, the key is you have to find competent counsel. And one of the things that I'm really hoping to do, speaking of justice, is expose our audience of both attorneys and uh, what I call to as, as, as ordinary non-lawyers, <laughs> of which I am one, uh, that, you know, we, we have the ability to uh, listen and, you know, hear from people who are in the trenches, people who are doing this every day, who can give 
you know, caution, advice, and counsel on how to proceed. You know, one of the biggest things that happens is people make a mistake in their selection of counsel. You have to be careful. And it's not to say that there's a ton of bad lawyers, but just like everything else, if you're going to have surgery, you want the best surgeon. And sometimes it comes down to the best surgeon you can afford or where you happen to be located or what your personal situation is. But there's always a way. So if you are struggling in this area and you're looking for something, uh, we're going to have other family law uh, attorneys on from around the country, people who uh, practice in certain areas. We're going to have criminal attorneys. We're going to have estate attorneys. We're going to have tons of trial lawyers and judges, uh, public interest people. And, you know, again, let's, let's you know, think about and stay focused on what we're talking about, which is justice. And, you know, what we are looking for is injustice. Our U.S. justice system is, is imperfect, but it's the best system in the world. And there are great lawyers out there, and there are fair judges out there. And uh, there are ways to get it done. And we hear about the horror stories, and we know about the difficulties, and we understand the financial challenges in getting representation. And that's one of the things we're going to continue to talk about is access to the courts and equity in the courts and, uh, you know, uh, equity in sentencing. It's all of these different things. So if you have a case, if you have a topic you want to discuss, go to our Facebook page. Again, it's speakingofjusticepodcast.com is the main page. Uh, you can go to Facebook and just type in Speaking of Justice and it'll pop up. Like the page, join it. You can communicate with me there. It's very easy. You can also go to Wallstrom and Associates, uh, dot com. That's my firm. And learn a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm the host. And uh, I will look forward to having you back again next week. I already gave you a preview. We're going to have uh, Judge uh, Frederick Block, uh, who is a fantastic, uh, you know, lifelong uh, jurist and lawyer, uh, author. And he's got a new book out called Crimes and Punishments. And it's about the entering the mind of a sentencing judge. It is a fascinating book. And I think... Lawyers know him. Uh, a lot of citizens need to know him. He worked in the Eastern District of New York in federal court. And he talks uh, very frequently about this issue of mandatory minimums and sentencing and the issues that a judge has to face. And I think it's going to be a tremendous interview. The book is outstanding. And it's good for lawyers and laymen. Uh, we're going to have him on. Uh, you know, He'll be our, our next guest. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, again, I want to thank uh, Matt Barrick for being our first guest of this new season. And, uh, you know, again, any questions, any concerns, any ideas, uh, you know where to reach me. So thanks for listening. This is Mark Wallstrom at Speaking of Justice podcast. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, play you out with a little bit of music and we'll talk to you uh, again real soon. Thank you.